0: Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Tonight, we're going to, back in our study of typology, um, really, again, it's so encouraging to hear how excited you all have been for this. Um, each week, the different aspects of seeing the four, basically the foretelling, it's the picture of, of seeing what was coming, the coming of Christ, the Redeemer, the Savior. You know, as I've thought so often, um, I don't know if any of you ever try to put your mind back in biblical times. Has anybody try to do that? and try to think about, all right, you see, you, you see these prophetic utterances, these things foretelling, do you think that they were even able to grasp? I don't. I mean, I really don't. I think it's kind of like, okay, but it's just so neat. Again, I think most notably for us, we are so blessed due to the fact that we are able to see the prophetic utterances, the prophetic telling of what was coming, but then we can also then fast forward from Old Covenant to New Covenant, see the fulfillment of it, but see all the scriptures that tie into it. Again, I wish we had the time to exhaustively go in to each thing that I share week in and week out. There's literally 30 or 40 different verses that will speak to that very thing. Just powerful. So if you have a chance, so tonight we're going to get in Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. And the title tonight is Stop Them, and we're going to see how the enemy had a disdain for God's covenantal promises, God's plan in any form. We see this literally from the very foundation of human uh, being with the enemy coming in the Garden of Eden. Uh, We are talking earlier with us about the the tree, all right? Uh, What did he tempt Eve with? It wasn't an apple, right? No, it was fruit, but it was desirable. Uh, It was interesting because whenever I have conversations with people, uh, and my family will even attest to this, but it it doesn't work too. There's always a spiritual connotation. I'll always reference a Bible verse. So yesterday they were talking about somebody wanting something desperate. Uh, They wanted something really bad, and I just said, Oh, you saw that it was pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, with which the three people standing there went... And I said, I'm sorry, but I always reference. But that's actually a Bible story. So I got to share a Bible story with them. So I'm thankful that God's given me that. It's the same way with music. Um, I can put words to any music. It doesn't matter what it is. I can rewrite any song and put the words in and it'll flow. I can literally just, it's a thing that God's given me. But um, that's the same thing with a Bible verse because I'm thankful that all of the time in God's word, reading it year in, and year out, and studying God's Word has given me the ability now to see everything, and I pray that God continues to let me do that. To me, I'm always looking for a spiritual application in everything. I, I really think it's a great avenue for ministry, and again, the reason that I love it most often when you're not in the company of believers is because it always leaves them perplexed, and you know who's not a believer whenever that happens, and they always wonder what you're saying, So they're going to give you, if nothing else, about one minute of your time. If they're not a Bible person, they'll just kind of go, oh, okay, and they'll walk away. Sometimes I get to have these great conversations with people. And one of the resounding themes that I am hearing often is I used to attend church. My grandmother took me, my mom, my dad. And I hear so many of them. And it's interesting because last night I was the, the nurse that relieved me. We were standing there, we were getting ready. I was getting ready to leave. And she says, You know, and I don't know how, I don't remember what the conversation started from, but she then says, You know, I'm not where I need to be. And I said, I, I don't know anything about you. It's the first time I'd ever met her. And I said, I bet right now, you feel like getting where you need to be from where you're at is a huge leap. Doesn't it feel like that? She said, yes. And I said, I want to encourage you with something tonight. It's not a leap. I said, it's merely a small step. I said, the enemy wants you to think that it is a huge leap. I said, but so then we went on and did our thing and I got ready to turn around to her and I pointed at her. And she said, it's a small step. She said, I'll never forget that. Thank you for sharing that. So it's so neat how God can take these small things. What is the scripture? Little is much when God is in it. There's a song that says that. But tonight we're going to see in the person of Moses how the enemies so desperately wanted nothing to do with Moses' birth. We'll see the length that they went. Just I'll share more of it because we don't have time to go through all the scripture of it but how the enemy was desiring to remove any of the males from God's people, right, from the Hebrews. And we know that there is another time in history when the enemy tried to do the same thing. And if you remember, it's a story about somebody, little-known figure in the Bible named Jesus, right, when he was born. And by the way, I've been to Masada, Masada, is where, when Herod gave the, remember when he gave the mandate to kill all the babies? He was up on Masada. I'll never forget when I was up on Masada. By the way, it's an impenetrable, it was an impenetrable uh, dwelling place that they that, that ultimately it was way above, I forget how high it is. You, you would have to see it. It's absolutely stunning. But you've got hundreds of feet of cliffs all the way around it. The only way you can get up there is they have a, um, uh, one of those, it looks like one of the things you go to, at one of those overseas, the ski resorts, this big, huge gondola. Thank you, one of y'all. But you take these up here, and it's, I mean, it's such a long way. And when you get up there, you, oh, it overlooks the Dead Sea, the Salt Sea. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place up there. But I, as I was standing up there, they had their wine vats alone, were tens of thousands of gallons. They would have more than two years of food in, stockpiled there. So when in AD 70, the final conquering, do you know where the last place that was conquered was? Masada. The Romans built with buckets, whatever they used to take the, the ground, and they built a almost mile-long Bridge that started off at the ground, went hundreds of feet up. It's mad. You can see where they had started it. It's not there anymore, but you can see the remnants of it. You can see the encampments because the rocks are still around the encampments. They think that upwards of fifty hundred plus thousand people were working on this 24 hours, seven days a week. And that was the, ultimately the final place that was conquered. But as I stood up there, I reflected back and thought, what a fool. This man thought he could thwart God's plan and it can never be done. The same way, it doesn't even speak to the leader, whoever was in charge at that time, the, the Pharaoh that made that edict with Moses. You know, we don't know his name. You know whose names we do know, though? The midwives, the two Egyptian midwives that were delivering the Hebrew babies. We see that in the word. So what I'm saying is it's so neat, those things that we do for the Lord. You may be rich and may, the world may think they're rich and they're powerful and they've got so much. But I will promise you, whatever you think you have that's not of God, it's not blessed by God, is absolutely nothing and will be lost to the winds and the sands of time. But all of those little things, even a, what does the Bible say, with a, a drink of water in his name, you'll not fail to receive your reward. God can do so much. little story about a woman with a widow's might that we continually reiterate this story It is told, and Scripture said to her, hey, this will be told, right, all through history, this story over and over and over again about a woman who gave all that she had, which was in our terms nothing, but look at the power of the gospel of truth and the Holy Spirit to affect billions of people through time with her demonstration of sacrificial giving. Praise God. I hope you found the scripture, Exodus 1. We're going to look at verses 15 through 17. And if you're able physically, let's stand tonight out of reverence for the reading of God's word. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, the first whose name was Shapira and the second whose name was Pua, when you help the Hebrew woman give birth, observe them as they deliver. If the child is a son, kill him. But if it is a daughter, she may live. The midwives, however, feared God, did not do as the king of Egypt has told them. They let the boys live. Father, thank you tonight. This privilege once again we have to open your word. Lord, speak to our hearts. We give your Holy Spirit full and free reign. Lord, hedge this building, these grounds, with your protective angels purge anything that would not honor or glorify you, any distractions, Father, let you alone in everything said and done tonight be glorified. You deserve it, our King, our Lord, our God. We ask all this in the precious name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, Jeff, while I'm doing this, if you could look up on YouTube, uh, you can even have it with words or just instrumental. If you could find, just as I am, in an um, instrumental, it doesn't even matter. Anything you can find that's God-glorifying and a good uh, invitation that you could play once we have it. Okay, brother? Thank you. Big time. By the way, tell them how much you appreciate what they're doing. It's a big sacrifice, the media ministry, and we still need a, a one or two more people that would really be faithful to do that. So please pray about whether God would want you involved in the media ministry because it is a vital part of the ministry here, especially when I hear back from ones that are sick, ones that have to work, how thankful they are to be able to to continue to stay up and hear a a service or a message when they're sick or have to work. Again, uh, verse 15 tonight. So the king of Egypt says, the Hebrew midwives, those first whose name was Sapira, and the second whose name was Pua, when you help the Hebrew women give birth, observe them as they deliver. The child's a son, kill him. If there's a danger... But if it is a daughter, she may live. Really, a beautiful picture. Again, what do we have? Typology. It's these pictures of the same pictures, parallel pictures of Christ. We see what Christ. What was Christ going to be? Deliverer, a savior, a redeemer. What did Moses end up being? A deliverer. He was a savior for God's people. Delivered them out of Egypt. Anybody right now, and you're reading through the Bible. Where are you at right now? What you just actually? What did you just get done with? Joseph, right? You get, hey, you're in the story of God delivering. I'm at the place right now where the plagues are coming down the the thing. But, you know, you imagine how God ended up leading them into Egypt was to save God's people. And it's so wild as I read that. And I, you know, I couldn't help but think, how easily Joseph, even Joseph's, you know, accomplishments, I guess, God merely used the Egyptians as a tool with which to keep God's people fed, to keep them safe. Then this bondage that they end up in, because why? God blesses them exponentially. The Egyptians are not under the covenantal promises of God or God's blessing, so they're not doing nearly as good as the Israelites are. They see these Hebrews, and these Hebrews are vigorous. Their children are healthy. They're outnumbering us. One of these days, they're going to take us over. So this becomes a threat you know who else was a threat? Jesus. Not only was Jesus a threat, why was he a threat to them? Well, because this king, remember, this, this, this rumblings of this king that's going to be born, right? This, they, they didn't understand it, though, from the spiritual perspective. They saw it from a worldly perspective and thought that he was coming to be an earthly king, which meant what? Instability. And any time there was rumblings of instability and a king being overthrown, they were going to try to do whatever possible to prevent this from happening. It's ironic. It, it's so sad back then of how many people ended up being even killed at times. Think about the babies. We know that Moses was spared, but you know there were babies during that period of time that would have gotten killed. Guess who else? Jesus, remember? To kill Jesus. So what did they end up doing? What did Herod's his edict do? Any child under what? Two years of age. There were children that lost their lives because of the fear that the power that he held at this point was going to be in danger. And again, it's so wild, but at the same time, this is the other part that I'm so comforted in. I'm so comforted in the fact that God's plan can never, ever, ever be thwarted. And not only that, I shared with someone yesterday who has a mother who's very, very sick. And I just shared with her, I just said, Hey, such and such, you know, I know your mom, right now everything looks really bad. But I just want to tell you something. Scripture says that her days have been ordained before the foundations of the world. And I said, Nothing's going to happen to mama until it's time. And I said, There's no reason to worry. Her mom's a believer. This woman I was talking to is a believer. And I said, you just have to rest in the perfect purpose, plan, and will that God has for her life right now. And we have to trust Him. And we have to ultimately, all of us, remember this. Because we, at times, even as believers, get caught into this thing of, you know, it's like we're trying to hang on to this life. You don't want to do everything in the power. We don't want to leave before it's time. I don't believe anybody in here wants to leave before it's time. I hope not. If so, we need to get you some help. Get you some, some help because you're probably depressed or whatever. And we can, you know, those things can be dealt with. But this is not home. Our kids aren't our kids. I can't tell you the number of times that I, tell, I just told a couple that just had a baby the other day. I'm not saying names because we're online. But I told them, I said, this is a gift from God. This is, but remember, this is not yours. It's on loan. This is merely on loan from God. This is God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God has merely blessed you with this time entrusted with this gift that God owns. And of course, we prayed a blessing over this child, that God would use this child, would bring them the saving faith in Jesus Christ. But it's so profound and powerful to know that God's plans right now are not gonna be undone by human will, human desire. No, God is not gonna be stopped doing what God's doing. Even though things look bad in Israel right now, you know that those hostages, We've talked a lot about those. We pray for them every Sunday. I pray for my personal prayer life, which I hope you are too. But do you know that nothing can happen to those hostages unless God allows it? It's not going to catch God by surprise and God go, oh no, I wish I could have stopped this, but I couldn't. Oh, no. And we pray God's protection for them. We pray God would give them a peace that surpasses all understanding. We know God will do that. But hey, Ultimately, we've got to make sure that every one of our prayers is this at the end. Lord, not my will, that yours be done. Because we see things from our perspective. We see things the way that we want to, and we believe that the best the best outcome for said prayer, said situation, is X. Because we see it through not the infinite. We see it through the finite lens that we see. And, and Many times it's jaded from what we see in an earthly sense. You know, well, I've heard so many times that if we're healthy and, and we have money and things are doing well, then that's the blessings of God. Oh no, not know. I'm really more in line with Scripture and, and James and many other Scriptures that say consider it joy when you face trials of many, many, many kinds. Verse kind some versions say consider it pure joy. Wonder why? I'll tell you why. Because when you go down in that verses, subsequent verses after that, it says so that you might be complete, not lacking anything. Interesting conversation got to have Monday when somebody was talking about trials and troubles they were having in their life, and I said, you know. I want you to think about this. If you never had troubles because they were just lamenting the fact that these problems in life are so hard for them to deal with and it's so frustrating and why does good things happen to, to, to or why do bad things happen to good people? You know those old sayings. And the people that aren't believers and, and don't do right, it seems like they just live in let. I said their scripture verses, I actually led them to the scripture verses, but I said it's so easy for us to fall into that mindset and that trap that that there's something wrong when we're suffering when we're going through a tribulation and a trial do i think it's important for us to step back and do an introspective look when things are not optimal maybe we've got trouble coming on the horizon we have trouble we're in the midst of do i think it's important for us to see a discern to pray that the spirit would give us insight and understanding if there's something that needs to be dealt with that could be the root for said issue absolutely But ultimately, when you have explored those and you have spiritually come, no, God, there's no unrepented sin. I'm not out of fellowship right now with you. I'm in your word deeper than ever, Father. I feel like I'm sitting in your lap spiritually. You praise him. For what? The gift. Are you ready? The gift of suffering. The gift. Brother Jonathan, how could you even say that? That almost sounds heretical. no. No, there's a martyr's crown in Scripture. Meaning that those who have given their lives for the kingdom, there's a special crown for them. By the way, what else do we know? Their blood cries out, right? We know how long, O Lord, the martyrs around his throne. We know what Scripture says about that. How, O Lord, how long are you going to tarry? Basically, go avenge our blood. God's faithful. God's good. God's got it going on. There is nothing... It's outside of God's allowance, ability, or control. See at that final, at the second coming, when Jesus comes, brothers and sisters, all things are going to be made new. We know that all, the, the enemy is ultimately the last death. When everyone, hey, hell and death, going to be cast in the lake of fire, it's going to be locked, and guess what? It's done. The old order officially completely has passed away. No longer will there be any of that. There's no longer... The enemy's ability to do what he loves to do, steal, kill, and destroy. And as little ones said on the way here to church tonight, we're not going to have any tears in heaven. So neat to know, God's going to wipe every tear away and me from right. yeah, you got it. And he's exactly right. It's what the Bible says, isn't it? So it's exciting that even the little ones, God can use as an instrument with which to reiterate, reaffirm, and comfort us with the peace of God's word. I think that's why it's so important in your homes to have devotions. And to burn truth on their hearts, because they can be the ones, brothers and sisters, at time that reiterate that promise of God that is the comfort. And I'm so thankful tonight that hey, the the Pharaoh said, "Stop them! We don't want this. These Hebrews. This has got to stop." The same way with Jesus, you kill those, we're going to stop this. Remember when uh, who was going to visit? Actually, they didn't come till much later. But who was going with a mission to let someone know about this Messiah so they could go worship? Remember the shepherds? Then you had the, the wise men coming. they were two years later, but hey, I want to go worship him too, was the lie. Yeah, right, he wanted to go kill him. There's no way in the world he was going to find out where Jesus was, and most notably, he would never be able to kill the perfect, precious lamb of God who had come to bear our sin, to die, pay that price the same way that Moses. And I think it's, by the way, so ironic about how God, it's almost as if God's sense of humor shows through where not only is this basket made for Moses, we know the story, right? Lined with pitch and put among the reeds and All people, who finds it? Pharaoh's daughter. (laughs) Hey, can you go get, why don't you go get one of these Hebrews? Can you go get one of them to nurse them for you? Ironic. Who who ends up being the one to do it? His mom. Is not God awesome. God knows what's going on, but I want to share this first thing tonight with you. The enemy may try to hinder God's plan. It will never work. Write that promise down. Put that somewhere important. When you find yourself, I I won't say buying the lie, but being entertained with the lie, when we feel like God has abandoned us, when when we feel in a sense like God's abdicated his responsibilities and the promises that he promises to do, the protection and the provision. And when when you want things, and I want things to happen, if you're one of those people that likes things to happen orderly and, and you don't like when something happens or not in the time frame that you do, and you know what I'm talking about. Those of you who like structure and like things, I'm a structure person, but I realize that God can do whatever he wants, when he wants in his time, and I don't think that God's abandoned me when God doesn't answer in my time. We need to praise him for that, though. We need to thank him for that. We need to thank him that God doesn't answer in our time because it's not the right time. He's on time. Uh, Dottie People sings a song, and I remember it when we were, I was in the Christian music business when it came out. I guess it was around 93, 4, 5-ish, but He's an on-time God. Anybody remember that? He's an on-time God. He really is. And that's, remember, it's a Dottie Peoples. Really good song. And he is on time. See, God, again, transcends time. Remember, he knows the big picture. He knows exactly what must happen with each thing that springboards off each other thing. Meaning, there are things occurring in our lives right now, in the same way with my sister Martha, and that was a springboard with which God used to ultimately my brother and then myself. And then not only that, you look at it from even a bigger picture, my two sisters that my parents adopted, that would never have happened, and they would not have been saved out of Liberty City, Florida. Right during the riots, the Liberty City riots, if you may remember those in Miami, Florida, that was where my sisters were in a foster home. They remembered getting on the floor at night because of gunfire. It was horrific time during those times, but had my sister Martha not died, my two sisters would not have been in the home that God ended up placing them in. Each one of these, and to me it's like the, the, the divine providence. You could literally take these and there's so many different steps in there that we can't even see, we couldn't understand, and we couldn't put it together if we wanted to. Because we, we are not God. We don't see it all. God just gives us this limited view that we are faithful with and we hand God that that life, that puzzle piece and the, the, the canvas, whatever it is you want to call it, and we just have to yield to the potter. We are but clay in his hands. And the beautiful thing is, as we see even with this right here, God's going to work every detail out. All we have to do is praise him even when you begin praying. Thank him that God, I thank you that you answer. God, thank you for the answered prayer. Wait a minute, he had not done it yet. You, you're showing him, you know he will. God, I know you're going to answer. I don't have to praise you when, you when I see the final result. I can praise you now because I'm showing that my faith is being sure of what I hope for and certain of what I do not see. will Pray a prayer and you'll praise at the same time, 30 years maybe before, absolutely. Because it doesn't mean just because it's not in our time that God hadn't answered it. It's just that we can't understand the infinites because we're limited by the finite. And I want you to put that, though, somewhere where you can see it and be encouraged at those times when you feel like God may have abandoned you, he's abdicated his responsibility, he's forgotten you, whatever. There's a lot of these lies that we get sold from the enemy. Just keep that there somewhere. We give you scriptures after scripture too. Get with me, I'll be glad to, of the promises of God. You know, and that's why I love 38 and 39. Height, Lord, depth, angels, principalities. Nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God and in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. There's nothing that's going to change God's love for us, his providential promises to us, nothing. Just like that, Harris stood up on Masada thinking that he had the bull by the horns. He was going to be able to thwart any attempt by anything that threatened his power. You know what? He's been gone a long time. And the sad reality is God's truth still stood no matter what he thought. You might think that you've got Two years worth of food up on top of a mountain. That's the old saying. You might, hey, you might be 10 foot tall, but you ain't bulletproof, spiritually speaking. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And that's what I want you to rest in tonight is understanding as we see these typologies, the beauty of God's promises and how God just shouts Redeemer. He shouts Deliver. He shouts Salvation all through the Old Covenant pointing to the promise that was coming. He wasn't delayed in it. God didn't get busy. God didn't have a hard time putting the pieces together. And that's why Jesus' coming was so long. No. He came in exactly Perfect, divinely pointed time. And I ask you tonight: Are you resting in that? Are you trusting that God, that all throughout history was shouting Redeemer? We have the promise now. Are you living in the fulfillment of that promise under the new covenant, divinely yielded to God's plans and purposes for your life, resting? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust, sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Is that you tonight? Are you trusting that with absolute, total blind faith? Blind faith. Lord, I don't care what you have to do and what you need to do to accomplish your... God, I give it all to you. My money, my family, my possessions, my everything. Father, I am yours. Use me for your glory. Is that your heart? And if not, I ask you, why not? What else do you have to live for? This world is passing away, church. I promise you, this world and everything in it is passing away. But those providential promises of God, his word, And as Revelation says, not one word will fail to be fulfilled. Not one. Why invest in anything in this world? Why? Why be longing for some long retirement one day when you can sit back and finally enjoy yourself? That's unbiblical and unscriptural. Invest in kingdom work. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Invest in watching your financial. Blessing. If you've got way more than enough for 10 lifetimes, use it for kingdom work and allow God to let you see the blessing of it unfolding before your eyes, not as God pries it out of your dead hands one day in the hopes that your family will use it for God's glory. Oh, God forbid. Imagine how much kingdom work could be done right now. But it's tied up in the hands of people who are going to leave it to people that they believe will hopefully do something decent with it. Sadly, I've seen that play out in a bad way more than once, way more than once. And then verse 17, so then the midwives, however, I love this, the midwives, however, remember, they weren't Hebrew. These were Egyptian midwives. However, they feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt had told them, and they let the boys live. You want to know what's so neat? This is the blessing that came out of this for those midwives. You ready? I'm going to share it with you right now. In verse 21, let's go up to 20. So God was good to the midwives, and people multiplied, became very numerous. 21, since the midwives feared God, he gave them families. (laughs) Isn't that wild? God blessed the midwives for fearing him. You think that those midwives failed to see what God's promises and the blessings that were on the Hebrews? No way. They saw it. They could not deny that the work of God was there and they weren't about to kill these babies. Oh, hey, I'm sorry. (laughs) These Hebrews, man, they are vigorous. They, they, They have the babies before I can even get here. Sorry. It's interesting how Pharaoh doesn't question them in that. He realizes that, man, these women are vigorous. They're having these babies quick. Interesting, isn't it? See, God has got it going on. And I want to share with you number two. This is the second one. The only only other life application principle we have is this. Those who fear the Lord will be blessed. Those who fear the Lord, those who trust the Lord, those who honor the Lord, those who glorify the Lord. Now, I've heard this word for word out of someone's mouth. I wouldn't want to serve a God I feared. What? You know, I feared my parents my whole life. You know why, though? Not, oh, no, they're going to unreasonably just come in here. My dad's going to be drunk or on drugs and come in here and just start beating me. I actually never had that problem. And I know there are people who are victims of that, and my heart breaks for you, but don't Allow that to be the picture of God for you. Imagine, like my parents, my parents loved the Lord, and my parents had a desire to do something. That was to impart the truth of God's word, but more importantly, they wanted me to see an accurate picture of God. So if my parents said, listen, don't do that, and then you did it, they cashed every check they wrote because they loved me. And what they were doing is demonstrating to me, though, that when God says something, it's not up for debate. It's not up for question. When God's word says something or God says something, he means it. And it's not a, well, just do your best and, hey, it's not a big deal. No, when God says it, you better listen. And you better do it how God's word, just like forgiveness. Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? I mean, it's just plain and simple, not a thing of, well, you don't know what they've done to me. So, listen, I I want everybody to be gracious to me, but you don't know what they've done to me. And if you did, you'd understand. No. The Bible says forgive as you want to be forgiven. But paraphrase it, just make it as plain and simple as possible. We don't tell God how it's going to be. Well, me and God have an understanding. Well, I'll tell you the understanding you have Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You don't have to like it. God never said to me or you, what do you think about it? Give me your opinions. You know, the feedback surveys. I've never gotten God saying to me, hey, give me your feedback and how I can better improve my image in your sight. It'll never happen. God says it. He means it. And I actually am so thankful growing up. I thought my parents were unreasonable. I won't lie to you. There were many times that I was furious growing up. I remember it. I just thought they were there to ruin my life. They didn't want nobody to have fun. They, they just wanted to ruin everything. No, in hindsight, now I realize what they were doing. They were trying to give me as accurate a picture of God as they possibly could. They were trying to restrain and protect my integrity from things that I didn't even have a clue were a danger to me. But I'm so thankful, though, that when I myself came to saving faith in Jesus Christ, it's so much easier for me to realize when God says it, he means it. Even though I might think that, oh God, that's a little harsh, I just believe it because it's truth, and that's what God's word is. And, and I think it's why it's so important for us to remember that this obedience This fear of the Lord. I feared my parents because I knew that my parents meant what they said. And if I was out of line, they were going to correct it. They were going to bring me back to a place that I needed to be from where I was. See, my parents on their worst day are nothing compared to the holiness of God why it's so important for us to realize the fear of the Lord, as Scripture says, is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Work out, Scripture says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I wouldn't want to serve a God like, yes, I do, because He's holy. He's righteous. Can you imagine when Moses came up off of Mount Sinai and his Face was radiant and glowing. We can't even begin to imagine what the holiness of God making your face radiant even represents. We just can't literally, and we can try to, but we can't imagine the extent to which God's holiness would cause someone to glow. Woo-hoo. That's right on. Can you imagine what it's going to be like in both? the Bema seat, most notably, but then, but also the great white throne. Can you imagine when the full weight of God's wrath is unleashed on those that stand in his presence with no excuse? The very creative beauty of God, the heavens declare the glory, the earth, the work of his hands. See, all of that is just revealing God so that men are without excuse. We're not in any way, able to stand with an excuse, because everything is screaming, creator, creator, creator. And I love that. But it also breaks my heart for those who believe that they'll be able to argue with God or debate with God, or one day when they stand like Ted Turner said that time, I'm a pretty good uh, would negotiate or whatever he said to the extent I don't remember exactly what it was, but basically said, you know, All right, when I do, we're gonna I'm gonna work out an agreement. Basically, is what he was saying. You no, know, the agreement's been done. Jesus is the agreement, and either we take part in this life, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Meaning, giving our lives to Him, submitting to Him, fearing Him. Honoring and glorifying him. Or Lord forbid. We stand one day in his presence without excuse, bearing the full weight of our sin because of a rejection, the covenantal promise under the new covenant in Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection, no, in no way, shielding us from the wrath of God. We bear the full weight of our sin because of our stubborn rebellion and rejection. Oh, God forbid. See, God blessed those Egyptian women. Fear the Lord. God blessed them the same way, though, with us. We don't fear God because we're sitting back thinking that God's going to be unreasonable. That fear of the Lord should compel us to say, you know, I don't want to go out here and do or live like that because I know that God means business and I'm his child and he loves me so much that God's willing to do anything to the point of death to bring me to the place of yielded obedience. And I don't want that. I don't like pain. I don't like hurt. I don't like heartache. I don't want God to have to take everything away from me to bring me to this place. And I know he's serious about it. That's the fear. The same fear that when I stepped out of line as a child, I knew that it was going to be a reckoning. But a reckoning filled with love. My fear of of the Lord is in the fact that he means business. He is holy. He is righteous. He's just. And not only that, he sees everything. And I'm so thankful, though, that we see this tonight and realize that nothing can stop God's purpose, plan, his will. And I'm so thankful tonight that even in the love of God, that he chastises us like a father does a son. That, yeah, you want to run? You can run. We've got free will. I'm so thankful that, like the prodigal son story, that, That's actually a picture even of God, the regular father, but also to me of God and God allowing us to run out there. And what happens? The weight of our sin. You can feel that God allows us. You want to run, you can, but you'll realize that you squander and you'll lose this covenantal protection, covenantal blessing. God wasn't providing all his needs according to what, right? Because he excused himself out of God's covenantal promise. He excused himself from the camp. Remember the Israelites in the camp? What would happen when one of them was out of line? They were placed for a certain period of time outside the camp. What is outside the camp? You're not under the umbrella the protection of what is inside the camp. Warmth and the blessing of protection. Out there are the wolves and these dangers that are there. There's not the protection that God desires for us. To those who fear the Lord, brothers and sisters tonight, God will bless us. He will bless you. He'll bless me. He'll bless your family. He'll answer those prayers that as I pray so often, it's like if you would hear my prayers, you'd go, man, you really trust God. You're like really just hanging them out to To really trust that, whoa, I got to go out there and make it. And when God makes what he wants to happen happens in the beautiful way where he gets all the glory for it, where he gets all the praise for it, just like God's done at this body of Christ for 16 years now. God's done what God does. He sends who he wants, when he wants, and you know what else he does sometimes? He calls people from us that don't want what we are. God will remove people from this body that would have come in to cause trouble and and arguments and all the garbage that you see so often. You realize on Sunday morning, we pray, Lord, if their desire is not to honor, glorify, and serve you, Lord, had just building with your protective angels, purge anything or anyone that would not desire to bring glory and honor to you, Father. You know what I'm praying? Our prayer is, God, If they're not here for the right reason, get them saved, get them right, or get them out. Well, preacher, how could you pray that? How could I not? I don't want numbers here. You know what I want? I want sold-out followers of Christ Jesus that desire to allow God to work through them to change the world. That's what I want. Because 10 people that love the Lord and are yielded in obedience to Him can change the world. But do you realize that a thousand people that are wish-washy, lukewarm Christians are gonna do nothing but destroy, line by nine, the kingdom work that could be done? That's what we gotta get out of is that mindset of numbers in size, means, no. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. And also where the spirit of the Lord is. How many times have people said, Man, the business meetings at this church—I've never been a church like this. Doesn't have to do with Longview; just has to do with what the Bible says: where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. Is your desire to live in the peace of God, the power of God, in obedience to God—those that fear the Lord will be blessed—and we see the picture tonight in this typology. God showing with Moses, the Savior, and all throughout, we're seeing each one of these typologies. We'll continue to see them in the coming months as we go through these stories. It's so encouraging to me. It's so encouraging to me because in the reiteration of what's happening in our Blackaby study, experiencing God, again, it's not what we want to do. God raises up people. He gives the vision to him, to people, and it's to get involved in what he's doing It's not us to go desire to do what we want to do. It's God starting a work, God equipping people, God leading people to do it, but it's not to lead them to do what they want to do. It's leading them to do what he wants to do and where he's at work. Are you involved in what God's doing and the work that God wants you to be a part of? Or are you sitting back waiting to feel, quote-unquote, led? Let me tell you something. That's the greatest excuse on the planet. For not doing anything. I'm waiting to be led. Get involved in the work of the kingdom. Amen? We have men's breakfast here on Saturdays, guys. uh, Once a month, on the second Saturday of the month. Get involved. Don't wait to be led, because you're going to sit there, and you will not do anything for the kingdom. And we can make excuses. Oh, you know, I like to sleep in. Don't we all, but ready? We have eternity to celebrate the victories, but only a few hours before sunset to win them. Sit around those tables as we do and share our prayer requests, praying for the wives and praying for families and praying for each other. Get involved in the kingdom work. Get involved in the fellowship of believers. Get involved in ministry. Because if not, you will do nothing for the kingdom. Waiting for the day that you can retire and sit home and serve yourself. And then what will happen one day? You'll sit back and go, what have I done? I've done absolutely nothing. What are you doing tonight to be involved in the kingdom work? I ask that in closing. If not nothing, if nothing is what you say, why? God saved us not to sit around and wait till we go to heaven. He saved us to be a part of his work for his glory and his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this privilege we have tonight to worship God, to hear your word, to hear you speak. Father, I pray more than anything, Lord, that we are in line with what it is that you want us to do. God, and thank you, Father, as we are able to study these typologies and see tonight the picture of Moses. And the beauty of how such a peril, Lord, with Jesus, Father, and how the enemy so desperately wanted to come in and try to kill them. God, nothing can stop your plan. Nothing can stop your purposes for your glory. God, thank you tonight that as we live out the plan that you have for our lives, we, in total faith, can trust that nothing will happen to us that you do not allow. That is not part of that plan. God, may you be glorified during this invitation tonight. May you alone be lifted up, exalted. Father, you are king, you are God. And if there's anything tonight that's not being done in our lives that you want us to, I pray you've convicted us or are convicting us that, Lord, during this invitation, we will commit to that. If there's someone we should be praying for tonight that we have not been praying for, God, convict us about that, and I pray that we will begin to pray. If there's something we should be doing and involved in that we've not been, let us repent of that. Let us commit tonight to being faithful God, I pray that each person in this building or watching online is reading your word every single day. Pray that they're reading through the Bible every day, a year from cover to cover. It's so important to get in. We can make all the excuses for why we're not doing it. Well, we want to make sure we can study longer and we can do this. God, let us be faithful to read from cover to cover and then spend additional time researching and doing other things we want to do in your word. But God, let us be found faithful. And if there's someone tonight that's not doing that, let them confess the sin of not being able to hear your word because they're not allowing you to speak to them. And tonight, commit, Father, to you being the Lord of their life and being faithfully involved in the reading and the application of your word that cannot happen unless we do it. May you alone tonight, if there's someone here, reveal yourself to them that they do not know you or if they're online, understanding tonight that we are separated from you. There is a great chasm we know as hell. That separated when the sin was brought into what you would made so beautiful tonight if you have revealed yourself to them and that they are a thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John if you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ please visit our website at longviewbaptistchurch.org and click our contact link thank you for joining us